Hey, welcome to No Two Gays About It. I'm Tom Burke. And I'm Michael Foley. And this is our first podcast, Michael. Pretty exciting, right? Woohoo! I'm very excited. <laughs> so before we start going, tell everyone what is No Two Gays About It all about? Well, we are going to be gearing the conversation to LGBTQ issues and politics and... Um, we're going to be doing that through a different voice, and that is the folks over 50, which Tom and I both are. Definitely. I think our voice is needed out there. At most representation, as we've talked about, is in that younger gay voice, and it's time that we bring our expertise, our experience to the table. Um, and one thing we're going to do every week... Um, you can find us every Friday, wherever you find your podcast, but every week, my favorite part of No Two Gays About It is the end when we get to do our savage side eye, which is when we talk about something that's been bugging us that week or something that's really crawled up our something. <laughs> yeah, okay. Um, all right. Before Again, before we get going, Michael, since this is our very first podcast, why don't you introduce yourself to everyone out there? Tell everyone who you are, just something about you. Um, well... Considering Tom's expression when I said snatch, I should probably start the conversation by saying I'm from New Jersey. So there will <laughs> probably be a lot of profanity throughout the course of uh, my dialogue. Um, sorry, Tom. It's just, it's, you know, we learned to say fuck before we could say mommy and daddy. In New Jersey. Are you kidding me? I was raised Catholic. I learned all my swear words in the church parking lot. Sweet. When all the dads are like, get the fuck out of my way, where the fuck, you know, like, oh, we just left church, but okay, cool. All right, Very go ahead. Good. So, um, yeah, I came out when I was 18 and uh, was raised by a pack of drag queens because um, the drag community took me under their wing and um, helped form the political activists that I eventually became, and I will be forever grateful for that. Fantastic. Cool. Yeah, and how about you? Tell us a little bit about you. Okay. Uh, like I said, I was born and raised an Irish Catholic kid in Chicago, uh, moved to New York, lived there forever, then moved to Los Angeles. Um, I have been married for 35 years, so that makes me kind of a unicorn in the gay world. Not really, though. Now that uh, both Michael and I have now moved out to Palm Springs, both from uh, Los Angeles, where we met through mutual friends. In fact, we were in a Hollywood Bowl group. During every summer, we would go to the Hollywood Bowl. He was in uh, this group that we went to. It was so much fun. Um, and then when my husband and I moved out to Palm Springs, Michael slowly moved out here as well. And so uh, that's where our friendship formed, and that's who I am. And let's get going on our no well, two gays about it. I want to backtrack on the Hollywood Bowl moment because okay. the true bonding moment was when you were forced to go to a particular concert that you didn't necessarily want to go see. Okay, and which one I, was that? I am a fan there were a of love. I'm a fan of Love for Life, oh, Barry. Yeah. Okay. And um, Tom wasn't very excited about that, and he came up to me after the concert and put his arm on my shoulder and said, "I get it now." Yeah, I, I was and unbelievable. That was the moment. <laughs> right. So. Seriously, I I grew up, my cousin Joyce would play Barry Manilow records in her bedroom. Like, you know, I thought she was nuts. And I, of course, I knew who Barry Manilow was. I knew all the songs, but you're right. I went to that concert and oh my God, it was probably the best thing I've ever seen. 
everybody was singing. We all knew the words. He was amazing for being his age. You know, it, it was great. It was a really great. Yes, that was one of our first bonding experiences. Yes, then we I had. Say, go ahead. Yeah. No, go ahead. He's the man who got me through my adolescence. Um, his music, I I retreated into that. And there's one particular song called "All the Time," which when I heard, I knew what he was talking about. Um, and that was just about the loneliness, I think, of being part of our community back in that day. And wow. um, yeah, saved my life. Literally. I'm not kidding. Holy smokes. Yeah. Who knew? Well, so I, I was very happy to get you on the Barry train, I have to say. So you know where Barry lives, right? I do. And I've been stalking him. <laughs> just kidding, Barry, if you're listening. Um, yeah, Barry also <laughs> lives out in Palm Springs uh, with the rest of us, which is very cool. Um, so one of these days, and who did I see on my first night here? Remember the picture see? I sent you? Yes. Barry Manilow. And it was like, it was a sign. I went to a show over at the McAllen Theater and there was Barry like 10 feet away from me. And it was all I can do to not like break down and cry. <laughs> it's magic. I'm so gay. It's just terrifying. All right, Mr. Gay Man, let's uh, get going with our no two gays about it. Um, let's start with some politics. You obviously are the political guy. I am not as deeply set into politics as you are. I mean, of course, I keep up on things, but I'm not really aware of everything going on. So what's happening right now? What, what do you want to talk about? So today I'd like to talk about the, believe it or not, 127 bills that are anti-LGBTQ that have been introduced across this country, red states, obviously, um, that are attempting to limit our rights and our freedom of speech. And um, it, believe it or not, the, well, it's not actually not that hard to believe, the state that leads in this- Can I guess what state it is? Go for is it. Is it Florida? No, believe it or not. Really? Okay. It's Missouri. Ooh, really? Follow, followed by Texas. Florida isn't even in the top three. I think the biggest one there was the obviously the don't say gay law. Um, and now what he's trying to do in, you know, public education, and that's erase right. anybody who's not white and Christian from being taught in history classes. So, but yeah, Florida, it was shocking to me too, that it wasn't in the top three, but it's, it's not. Um, and then we also have, believe it or not, legislation that will actually be targeting this boggles my mind. The drag community. Yeah, that I've heard all the, that. They will either be banning or limiting what a drag show can be. And this is coming from the party who has always claimed to be free speech, my rights, fuck right. you, right? If, it, if you don't agree with them, your rights don't matter. And that's what it comes down to. Okay, so there are these hundred and something bills that are out there. And this is in state um, legislation, this is, right? Yes, these are state legislations. Okay. So are they all going to pass or are these just people may blowing a lot of smoke? Well, the problem with most of the red states is that the legislatures are solidly locked down as red, which is why it is so important for our community who do live in red states, and there are a lot of them out there, to get involved in local politics. It all starts, I mean, even as you know, in your local school boards who decide what books will be read and what will right. be taught and what the curriculum is. Um, it's hugely important that it's, I think it's more important actually for LGBTQ 
member community members to be involved in the red states and i i'm sh i talk to people on facebook often who are from red states who you know there's a there's a feeling of hopelessness and what can i do well basically what you can do is please just get involved and if there are no lgbtq organizations where you are more than likely there's an aclu who deals with our community as well. They, they have our backs along with other minority communities. So there are so many things that you could do if you are in a red state and you are hugely important to this battle that we seem to be waging again. You know, with the Republicans, it's always, there's always a scapegoat. And it seems like the spotlight has turned back onto our community right now. So uh, let me ask you something. So you said, uh, you know, it's pretty dire out there, you know, um, but, you know, in the 80s, when things were really dire, we stood up and we fought, you know, we fought for a lot. Um, the fact that I'm married is amazing, you know. Do you think a lot of this, uh, I don't know how to, I don't know what, what word used, but like the younger gays in the, um, not only the gays, the, the people in their community in these red states, are they, are they standing up like we did? Are they fighting like we did? Or are they just kind of like, yeah, whatever? I think there's a huge gap in activism. <clears throat> um, like you said, our age group, our demographic, if you came out in the eighties, which is I did. And like I said earlier, that's when I became an activist because friends of mine were dying. Right. And we had a president in the White House who wouldn't even utter the word AIDS. Right. And nobody was doing nothing. Um, so you, you, for me, I had to fight um, and become part of the solution. And, but then there's the younger generation who are, you know, the teens and the early 20s, I think are also very politically involved now but there's right. this big gap between like you know between mid to late 20s to maybe 45 50 where it seemed like activism had fallen away because it seemed like everything was going okay you right. know we had clinton for eight years and then you know there was a slight hiccup and then we had obama for eight years so it looked like yay we finally crossed the bridge only to realize that the bridge is still in the distance because there are a whole lot of people out there who really do want us to go away. So how do you get these, this gap of people in Missouri to stand up and start doing something? Hopefully through education, hopefully through having dialogue. Um, to me, that's the most important thing you could possibly do. Cause as you know, I wrote a book a while ago and a Facebook page grew out of it. And I have dialogue and with I'm people. I'm sorry, what is that Facebook page? Oh, and this is the place that you could actually um, get a hold of us and actually comment. And if you have questions or anything you want to know about Tom and I or issues you want to cover, it's called Friend of Dorothy Book. And it is on Facebook. So www.facebook.com forward slash Friend of Dorothy Book. But I have dialogue with people, like I said, especially in red states. Um, and they are involved, but there's a sense of hopelessness because they feel alone. 
Um, and we have to make sure that the dialogue is open and continues and just to educate, like we did through the 90s and the 2000s, where the more we came out, the more people realized, oh, it's my nephew. Oh, right. it's my daughter. Oh, it, oh, it's my aunt. It's my great aunt, you know, who at the age of 60 decided to come out right. um, and realize that we're not a threat. The threat of those people who are trying to take away the rights of anyone else. That's the threat. Yeah. All right. Well, let's put this out there to everyone out in the world. If you have some solution or if you know of something that we should be doing or we should be passing along, as Michael said, reach out to us on Facebook or you can reach out to us uh, through Instagram. And what's our Instagram, Michael? We are at no 2 gays. No, the number two. Two. Gaze about gaze it. about it. On Instagram. And you could also reach us at um, Gmail with the same moniker. No, two gays about it at gmail.com. And if you, if you have something going on in your community and you want people to hear about it, please let us know because we are more than happy to share. And if we can, in whatever way we can, possibly direct some help your way. Yeah, definitely. And I really would love to hear those people in our generation, the 50 and above, who were out there fighting, who were out there standing up for our rights, if they know how we could get this group that is not doing that involved, as involved as we were. Yeah, a lot, like you said, a lot was through death. We were seeing people just disappearing from around us. That was so scary, which kind of really forced us out into the streets, but there has to be something else that can force these other people, not force, but get them involved, get them in onto the conversation as well. So please, all you over 50 people out there, join our conversation and, and help us figure out how we can get all of these hundred and whatever bills strike down. And also, um, I just want to share something which is on, on topic. So I had dinner with two friends of mine who are both in their late 20s. And the conversation about PrEP and HIV came up. And I shared with them my activism days with ACT UP and the, the gay men's health crisis. And both of them looked at me like, what? Right. And I was like, how do you guys? And I didn't do it in a way that was preachy or making them feel bad, but it was like, you guys need to know your history. And yeah. one of them at the table Googled ACT UP because I had brought up the die-in on Wall Street that I was part of. Um, and he pulled it up on Google and he went, are you talking about this? And I was like, that's exactly what I'm talking about. Please. It's so important you guys get involved. And yeah, I, I saw a light bulb go on. And it, it, you know, it's through no fault of their own because again, they're a generation where it looked like things were good. It was okay. There was... If you look at the arc of political activism and how it went up through the Obama years, it did look like we were safe finally. Um, but again, you know, the bridge is still in the distance. We haven't crossed it. Yeah, we were safe, though, but we were still starting a new fight at that point. The whole thing about gay marriage and equality, that was happening, too. Yeah, maybe they were little kids or even teenagers, but they had to have been aware. And if they weren't, it's their job to find out the history of 
where they came from and where they're going. I agree, because when we came out, we knew who Harvey Milk was, even though it was prior oh, to our time, God, yeah. and, and the gay liberation movement, and, you know, Alan Turing. You, we knew our history. Right. Um, because we had people telling us about it. And I think that's the issue now with social media, that clicks form, that we tend to stay within a comfortable arena for us. And, you know, for me, having this conversation with these two guys who I love dearly, and again, who are just really good friends of mine, you've met them, um, to see the fact that it wasn't even on their radar, I can understand. Right. Um, because again, with the onset of social media, what happens? Pockets are formed and you stay within your group and you talk to the people who you have the mutual interest with. But, you know, there's still a whole, and I said this to him, there's a whole big world out there, you know, yeah. that you just, and I've lived by this rule that a teacher instilled in me way back when, learn one new thing a day, just one. Right. And your life changes drastically. Okay. I would like to talk about one particular person in this age gap of that we're discussing. Who so we're going to bridge not only LGBTQ issues but also some political issues. Oh my god. George Santos. What the actual fuck. However, did you read I mean I just read that he is recusing himself from his committees yep that just just literally happened but but why wasn't he kicked off of those committees like a long time ago because kevin mccarthy is a total <sighs> clown i actually saw an interview with him after this yeah. announcement was made yeah. and they said so did you tell him directly that he had to step down he goes well no we had a conversation and he agreed that it might be better it's like you're the speaker of the house you dumbass you should have you should he should have never been placed on a committee to no begin kidding with. even though they were like the lowest rung committees or whatever but also what was it two days ago or a couple days ago the doj came out and told new york like okay you guys leave him alone for a minute because he's all ours like you would think at that point yeah someone would be like yeah we got to do something now well did you hear about the new poll as well out of new york no okay so 76% of the people in his district want him out. 72% of that is Republican. Right. So that in itself is shocking considering, although New York Republicans are very different than, they're, they're, they're the last holdout from the old party, um, which just basically doesn't exist anymore. But um, yeah, so uh, there's movement, but... but of course, there's new. They're being made fun of these people that they put this guy into the office, and just the fact that it's like one thing after the next after the next, like it's an actual joke that this guy is a congressman. Yeah. Like I, I don't. And get you do it. know you know he has other names, right? Oh yeah, I, I Anthony Devolder. Yeah, that's, I, I that's watched. One. And one do you know his? The, do you know his drag name? I do. Uh, shoot. I had it. I have it written down some. What is it? Tell me. Katira. Katira. Right. Katira. Katira. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, he goes by a lot. He goes by a lot of names. And um, it's just... I am most struck by his volleyball career. I am so impressed by that, I have to say. <laughs> <laughs> okay. But not only is he making our politics, our, our 
government look bad. He's making the Republicans look like complete fools. But he's also making our community look really bad. Mm -hmm. Because now all those people in those red states were like, yeah, them gays, they're all that, you know, look what they do. They lie. They make all this shit up. Like, what? Like, yeah. It's unbelievable. But it is, iro- it is ironic how the, that, that Kevin McCarthy has him sort of bulletproofed because he needs his vote. There's a yeah. slim four to five vote margin in the House. So he needs that seat. And he's horrified that somebody else, if they do run a special election, that a Democrat will take it back. Right. There has to be something so dirty in this money that where he got all of this money. Yeah. It had to have been some big Republican who said, oh, here's a gay guy who will do whatever we say. We're going to get this seat because of that. And that's how he got all that money. I hope that comes out somehow. I mean, it has to, right? Uh, but you we know, been- it's really hard to have hope these days in regard to anybody being, con- especially when it comes to Republican corruption, um, being convicted of anything these days. But I mean, that's yeah. the thing. We, I, we- hope springs eternal. And I just, <laughs> you know, I think I've said it to your husband a number of times, who's equally as politically nuts as I am. Yes. I have faith in Merrick Garland. I just wish he would hurry the fuck up. Right. Something, something has to happen. I, I get that they want to do it the correct way and everything seems to take forever, but come on, we we yeah. need a little bit of something. I get I mean, I guess the fact that George or Katara what's her name? Katara? Katara. That Katara is That's what he will he will forever be known for from his name. <laughs> has stepped down. I mean, that's a good thing. I, we are moving in the right direction, but didn't it take a little long to get there? Again, he should never have been placed on a committee. Exactly. That's the exactly. hoo-ha of it. You know. All right. Let, let's move along to something that's really good, because this has been some rough stuff we're going yeah. through. But how crazy is this? And we talked a little bit politics already, and you were talking about all these um, bills, especially against drag shows, which is ridiculous. Uh, we just talked about Katara. Um <laughs> Congressman Katara. Also, I have a, an awesome pop culture story that also centers around the drag world. Um, I was so impressed. This is a huge shout out to not only CBS, but also to uh, Chuck Lorre. And do you know the show Bob Hart's Abishola? I do. Have you seen it? I have um, seen clips, but yeah, I've never seen a full episode, I have to say. Okay. So I. Just for those that don't know, it's a CBS uh, a show, a sitcom. It's about a uh, guy who lives in Detroit, played by uh, Billy Gardell, who was uh, Mike of Mike and Molly. And he falls in love with this immigrant who's a nurse from Nigeria. And Nigeria is a very conservative, strict culture, right? Uh, so it's kind of fun, just the the two worlds coming together. Um, Billy's mom is played by, uh, what's her name? Christine Ebersol. You know who she is? Every gay, yes, every, I love her. Every good gay I was man on, out there should know who she her. is. I was oh, yeah. on a cruise with her. Okay. We sat at a, a blackjack table together. Well, go and I carried, her sho- I carried her shoes back to her room with Sharon Glass. Oh, how fantastic. Is she gay? No. 
No, no, but she so. was on one of but, Rosie's cruises as entertainment. So yeah. we were it was a late night in the casino. I just because you mentioned she and Sharon Glass together, it's like oh oh, oh. no, they were in separate cabins. Sorry. Okay, good. <laughs> just checking. Anyway, back to uh, Bob Hart's Abishola, which I'm sure I'm not saying the right way. Um, anyway. They have already tackled a really great subject. Uh, there was one of Abishola's cousins who also came over from Nigeria who came out as lesbian, and that was a big thing for this, you know. So, But they handled it really, really well. I, I, I was really impressed with that. But I just watched the latest um, show, and um, Abishola went with her aunt and this lesbian cousin to a drag brunch. And I, at first I thought, this is brilliant. Everything that's going on about drag brunches and how horrible they are and how they're, you know, grooming children and whatever, um, ridiculous. And I thought, okay, great that they are tackling this. And it was done really well. She, um, the lead actress was very uncomfortable and she kept saying like, I don't want to feel this way, but this is just the way I was, you know, raised and, um, the one of the drag queens sat down with at their table and it was just really sweet and it wasn't anything it was just kind of like i don't know it's okay and it's okay to feel bad about it it's okay you know and even one of the another woman said to her um it's just the way you were raised and it's going to take you time but the fact that you are open to this and then you know show goes along and i thought okay well that was really nice the way they handled it but I wasn't, I didn't feel resolved. And then at the very end of the show, this was the best part. Abishola is on her way to work and she's on a bus and there's this young guy standing there and she's like, that's the drag queen. But he wasn't all decked out in glitter and whatever. He was on his way to law school. He had on, you know, a jean jacket and his law, whatever. He just regular guy. And and she invited him to sit down and they started having just a conversation and you could just see in her head, oh, he's just like a normal guy. It it was just such so really brilliantly done. And the fact that it's being done right now when the world is saying drag queens are horrible, drag shows are horrible. It, I, I just was so impressed. And that, that's why I'm sending out a big shout out to not only, you know, CBS, but Chuck Lorre for doing that as well. Uh, I, I was really impressed wow. by that. That's that's really incredible. And, you know, we we touched on this earlier about it's about having a conversation. Uh, totally. It's about that's learning it something different. Right. And, uh, you know, wow. it also wow. kind of struck me while I was watching this, because then I'm, you know, in my head, I'm thinking, OK, all this stuff about drag queens and bringing kids to drag shows and grooming them. And all I could think about when I was younger, I traveled all over the world with my parents. And I remember being, I don't know, nine years old at a nightclub, one of those with the dancers and the big feather headdresses and chest boobs hanging all over the place. And I was just like, okay, you know, and that was a normal thing. And I'm thinking it to myself now, well, was I being groomed to like boobs? Well, it didn't work. Sorry, mom. You know, <laughs> and it never will. Cause exactly. The one, thing, the one thing that they cannot get into their heads is we literally are born this way. Oh, the second yeah, you right? realize you're a hetero is the second we realize we're not. Yeah. How sad is this? 
there I am at this nightclub, you know, nine years old, watching this woman shaking her boobs in my face. And I'm like, I love that outfit. She's, you know, like, oh, I love those feathers. <laughs> I'm sorry. And that's when you know. Exactly. Right? You know, seeing Wonder Woman on yeah. TV had nothing to do with the outfit or her boobs. It had to do with her, her strength who sure. she was, the character that she represented, and that strength. And it's so funny how many how many of us gay men are drawn to women like that. Right. Who present this strong outwardly appearance and who, you know, kick ass on their own because yeah, it's just it is it's a bizarre thing that that we have in common us homos. <laughs> Right, we sort of, you know, we gravitated to these people. Um, yeah, and it's so nice to hear that CBS did that because, again, oh. my roots are in the dry community. Um, right. So this issue right now really irks me because fucking Shakespeare was drag. Right. What the hell, Uncle Milty, Flip Wilson? Right. You know, oh, Flip drag, Wilson. Drag, Remember drag, that? Drag. Yeah, yeah. Yes, Geraldine. Yes. Oh my God! Come on. <laughs> How, it didn't get better than that. And the breeders, sorry if that's an offensive term to anybody, um, the heterosexuals didn't have an issue with that kind of drag. For right. some reason, they found it safe, maybe because it was a straight man doing it. Um, I'm not sure. I would love to have a conversation with somebody about that. Um, like, what is, what's the threat? What threat does a drag queen pose to your way of life? Right. And please don't tell me it's about, you know, with that pedophilia thing that they're throwing out now, because can I get a little controversial? Yeah, sure. <laughs> um, I remember an organization in the 80s and 90s that was under huge, uh, they were under huge magnifying glass for actual sexual predators within their ranks. And there were no pitchforks and there were no torches lined up outside of churches. Right. But yet they're going to a drag show. And I'm not and sure if you know this, that the percentage of actual sexual assault is skewed heterosexual, not homosexual. Right. Like the perpetrators. Yeah. So I, I really want to understand, I really do want to understand this issue with these folk. What is your issue? What is the problem? What are you actually afraid of? Is it something that you just don't understand? And is that what you fear? So I, you know. Maybe just being different. Who knows? But I totally get, I mean, again, I was raised Irish Catholic. I was an altar boy. I was groped by priests you know sorry and no yeah i mean it was a horrible yeah. thing um but I, just like you said no one was storming all the churches going like oh my god why weren't they outside of saint patrick's cathedral because i'm italian right. catholic so right. you know what both tom and i have experience in this and we're not speaking out of class uh we know from whence we speak in regard to the church and how we were raised so where were they then when there was right. actual, actual right. proof of assault? Where where yeah. was it? And now you're just going on hypotheticals and, well, what if? Or even right now. I mean, there is so much proof now. Why aren't 
the same people who are picketing at the drag show going over then to what Saint whatever yeah. church and being like, you guys are doing the same thing. Because I have to tell you, I watch a lot of late night television, as you know, because um, Bewitched is on. But there's always there's always the commercials okay. about if you are a victim of sexual assault within yeah. the church, please contact us. The hypocrisy is mind numbing to me of where they choose to plant their flag. Right. All right, sir. Let's. As that long got as we're deep in, again too. So. Right. <laughs> okay. As as long as we're in this fighting mode. Let's move to our Savage Side-Eye. you have anybody you want to sh- throw some shade at, Michael? Uh, daily. But today I'm just going to pick one because I know okay. that's what you want. Um, okay. So you know when you're standing in line, and today it happened to be I was grabbing coffee, and you're there for about five to ten minutes because the line's like eight to ten people deep. And you finally are one person away from the counter. And the person who has been in front of you the whole time gets there and they don't know what the fuck they want. It's like, what were you doing for the last 10 minutes? What in God's... And it's not like it's more than likely their first time at this particular place. You know, what were you doing? How do you not know what you get when you get to the counter? Could you just make up your mind and then have your money ready, have your credit card out, and then get the fuck out of the way? That's it. Okay. It's a, it's a, it's just a request for anybody out there who might be texting or, you know, right. doing whatever while they're waiting online and not paying attention. So funny. My husband has that exact same issue every time. <laughs> and I'm always like, oh, just let it go. Just shut up. Just Okay. <laughs> But is it? They literally were online for 10 minutes. I know. It's ridiculous. People are ridiculous. Speaking of ridiculous people, Michael, you might want to turn up some lights at your house because it's going to get pretty shady because my side eye is being thrown at Michael Foley, co-host Ooh, of I'm No so Two Gays About It. <laughs> yes. All right. When we're developing this podcast of ours... We wanted it to be of a certain voice, the voice of the gay male in our age group. And I wanted to use the term mature. But Michael would have nothing to do with that. No mature. I can't say that word. I'm like, what do you want me to say? Old guy? Because I don't want to really say old guy yet. But he's like, no, over 50. And I'm like, okay, but... I think we're both over 50 quite a bit. So, okay, what's the deal with no using the word mature, Michael? Well, I'll tell you. So for me, mature has different connotation. It's not necessarily an age reference. Um, Maturity can be, you know, I like the two guys who I had dinner with last week who were in their late 20s. They're mature on a lot of levels. Yeah, they're mature for 28-year-olds. Well, yeah, but then, I, okay, last night I was out and a boot because I'm single and not married for 35 years. Um, and I was having conversation with someone who was well into their 50s. And it was one of the most immature conversations I've had in months. Um, so I think that's my issue with mature, the word okay. mature. 
I get the fact that older people uh, can act immature, but you are right. There are very different levels of maturity. A 28-year-old is mature for a 28-year-old. They have not, and you have already made this point today, they have not lived through what we have lived through. They have not. So their voice is not the same as ours. Um, I, I just think using the word mature is appropriate for men of our age. Okay. Well, you know what? That will be my one new thing I learned today. (laughs) That, you know, you, you like the word mature. It's not that I I like the word mature. I I was just shown, thrown a little shade that way because you did not like that word because you're like, oh, but my... 30-year-old friend's mature. No, he isn't. But okay, I'll go with that. All right. We good? <laughs> We're good. And you are you are the most mature over 50 person I know. And thank you for well, thank you for the shade cuz well, you know, yes, in I Palm am. Springs thank- it's very sunny here, so that it is. So, um this was fun. Our very first podcast. I thought this was great. Uh I really do want to invite everyone out there to join our conversation, especially if you are one of those mature gay males out there. Or just a gay male over 50. Exactly. Um, So reach out to us. You can do that on Instagram. We are at no two, number two, two. gays about it. You can find us where on Facebook, Michael? At www.facebook.com forward slash friend of Dorothy book. Make sure you put the book in there. Um, uh, and you could also get us at Gmail at no, the number two, gazeaboutit at gmail.com. Right. Please join us on this conversation as we go forward. And I want to thank everybody out there for joining us at No Two Gays About It, where every voice, every opinion, and every age group, even the mature ones, matter. So until we meet again, get out there, join the conversation, and let your voice be heard. Michael, this has been awesome. Until next time. Thank you. Thank you. Bye. Okay, see you. (laughs) Ha, ha, ha.